This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim R. Today's episode 207, and we're going to be interviewing Shelly today. How are you doing, Shelly? Doing well. Thanks for having me. No, I'm glad to have you on here, and I'm excited to do this. So let's get started and dive in. Tell me about your childhood and growing up. Okay, let's see. So I was a middle child. My parents divorced when I was five years old. So one of my earliest memories was my dad actually leaving when my parents got divorced. And uh, I didn't realize until way later that it started that uh, uh, holding on to everything for dear life, you know, a kind of abandonment stuff. My childhood was I played soccer as often as I could. And then I kind of held my breath most of the time as a little kid. I, um, I yeah, can my relate mom was to that pretty, feeling. My mom was a single mom and yeah, she had three kids, seven, five, and three. And yeah. Sounds a little bit like my growing up, my parents got divorced. I completely relate to the abandonment issues because it was actually my mom that left. Um, I mean, we would eventually see her again, but it was more, it was like once a week. It wasn't for, it was just for a few hours. So it wasn't like enough to really build a mother son relationship with. Yeah, my dad actually when he when um he, he we would see him every other weekend and he got married pretty quick. But I remember just waiting at the window to see him. So he's really the the best man I know. So how was school for you? Uh, let's see. I was pretty distracted most of the time as a little kid. Um, I I just uh, always wanted to be outside. I know now uh, that it's, uh, I would have been diagnosed with all the letters, ADD, ADHD, and everything. They just didn't do that, I guess, back then. They just said, calm down, go outside and play. So did you have a lot of friends growing up? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I was, I was pretty um, outdoorsy, and um, I always, I, I would do talent shows with some friends, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I was kind of like, you know, when I look back, it was like laughing on the inside and I mean, laughing on the outside and kind of screaming on the inside. It was just like when I finally had a drink, it was like I'd been needing it since I was born. So <laughs> well, when, when going back to when you were really young, what were you screaming about on the inside, the, the divorce and all that stuff? Yeah, I just remember um, being just a scared little kid. Um, my mom uh, held her breath a lot, and I just kind of, I guess I picked that up. I was just Do you always remember afraid. what you were scared of? I was just really afraid everyone was going to leave. Like when my mom would leave, I was afraid she wasn't coming back. So um, I was just a pretty anxious kid. Yeah, I have that. And it affects my relationships, too. Like when I have a girlfriend and I'm afraid she's leaving, I totally freak out. Get that fear of abandonment that settles in. You get the same thing? Hell yeah. My adult relationships have been quite uh, a learning experience. 
yeah and I mean it's uh, it's hard to turn down that the old tapes I mean you really have to just continue working on self and then whoever stays is supposed to stay and I'm learning that whoever goes is supposed to go yeah it's a good way to put it so tell me more about growing up so how was it after the divorce how was it with your family did you see your dad at all how often did you see him and stuff like that yeah, we would see him pretty much every other weekend. I mean, there were moments that he wouldn't come for a couple of weeks. And um, let's Why see. Not? I remember looking out the window, just kind of waiting for him. And, why uh, wouldn't he come? Oh, uh, why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, do you remember any of the reasons why he wouldn't come? Sorry, he kind of froze up for a second. Well, oh, no. business and moving around and uh, a new marriage and, you know, it was just kind of different things. Uh, life and getting busy, I guess. So that affected you that he had a whole nother world going on, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, um, I played soccer since I was five years old and being on the soccer field, everything was perfect for me. And so um, it was kind of like this uh, this retreat that I would have when I would get on the soccer field. And um, so that was pretty much my safe space. You know, home was a little anxious at times. And, you know, my mom just was working two or three jobs. She was just like a, a superwoman. And, um, you know, there, it, it, it's wild. I have her older brother and a younger sister, and it was like we have different our whole perspective of what home looked like when we were growing up is totally different. It's so like you could have five kids in the same house and everyone sees it differently. For yeah, me, everyone's yeah, different for, the way they absorb things, the way you process things. Everyone's different. Yeah. You might learn from the same parents, but you're still going to be different, you know? Yeah. So, so that, how, how is your relationship with your brothers and sisters? Well, I have an older brother. He's amazing, and he's he's just a hard worker. And uh, I have a younger sister, and she's actually my best friend. I um, have a nephew with from her, and then I have two two adult nieces. One of them has two babies. I'll I'll see them on the twenty first of this month. I'm going oh, very to nice. Texas for Christmas. Yeah, very nice. So, when was the first time you ever tried any drug or alcohol? All right, let's see. I remember sixth grade, seventh grade. I would try different things. Like I had this friend and she had, we smoked cigarettes. And then one time we dipped, <laughs> her dad had some dip. And so we dipped. And then in seventh grade was when I drank. I took like the first drink. And uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous calls it uh, that sense of ease and comfort. It was just like, I could breathe. And so about that time I started smoking pot and it was just, um, you know, what everyone was doing. I remember feeling like I was finally on the inside looking out instead of on the outside looking in. And uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was just like coming up for air finally. In the big book, he um, talks about when he first tried and he used the term, he had arrived. He thought yeah. I have, you know, because he said it made him easier to talk to at parties. He was what he thought the life of the party now. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, it was um, seventh, seventh grade was the first time I drank and then I blacked out and I got sick and I was like, I can't wait to do this again. And um, so you don't that, remember your first time getting drunk, you blacked out. Yeah, I blacked out. And I remember uh, that the first moments just kind of getting a little tipsy. And then, yeah, I don't remember anything <clears throat> after that until I got sick. And that was uh, probably the evidence of things to come is I did. I didn't do it like other people. You know, other people would kind of have a drink and they get, oh, I'm I'm feeling a little tipsy and I would want more and more. There was just never enough. You know, now I know the phenomenon of craving kicks in and I'm it's over for me. I share that with people all the time. I'm an alcoholic who's powerless over drugs, a drug addict who's powerless over alcohol. And it wasn't until 2007 that I stopped doing either one and I got and I've been free. I continued to convince myself I could figure it out. I know if I could just figure this out, you know, uh, figuring out all the the little concoctions of ways that you could use or what ways that you could figure it out and not do too much. Or if you do too much, you do this. So yeah, it got me quick. Yeah. So what was your main drug of choice? Well, my freshman year of college, uh, I went to play uh, soccer and, uh, and the the funding fell through for the women's team. So, you know, we were just going to be there for a year. And that's all I'd done up through high school. And so when I got there, it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And this girl, she rolled up a $20 bill and said, hey, do this. And I didn't even ask what it was. It was methamphetamines. And uh, I remember the first time I did a line. And now I know it was the dopamine shooting like like a volcano. Uh, and I was what like, was the reason you did it? What made uh, you, I mean, cause everyone's got a reason. Like for me, I want, I thought I was going to be cool. I honestly just thought it was going to be cool to do. Be like a rock star. I'd say, uh, there was this part of me and I realized, you know, it was like that hole in my soul. I needed to fill it with something. I'd already started drinking, you know, every, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so it, it, someone said, hey, do this. I watched her be happy as can be. And um, I wanted I wanted outside of myself, you know. I, 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 I didn't even have a thought of, oh, my God, I wonder if what this is. I wonder if this is okay. I was just like, that. there was these moments, you know, and I've shared with, with people. I wanted to be anybody, anybody but Shelly. It was just like, I can't stand me. And that Thursday, uh, I mean, that that Sunday before Thanksgiving, I was like, I'm never not doing this as long as I live. I ended up losing like 30 pounds in about 45 days. It was, oh, I, I just woke up a monster inside of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you do in school? Did you used to get good grades and stuff? Let's see. I was uh, I graduated in the top uh, quarter of my class. I uh, I was probably a B B or you know. Let's see, high B, <laughs> sometimes a C. But I mean, I, I didn't do. I didn't wasn't like a, a star student by any means. I kind of created this dialogue. You know, those negative core beliefs that I was stupid. I don't apply myself. All that. So. 
I'm, I've now gone back to school and I'm just one class away from my bachelor's. So oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So that was my freshman year of college. And um, yeah, that was 1987 and methamphetamines, it chased me down for 20 years. You know, there was, it, it truly stole everything from me. And once it started, stopped stealing it, I just kept giving it. I was arrested over and over again. I went to treatment more, four to three times I went to treatment. I was arrested probably at least 10 times. Uh, I was a, a horrible criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so once you started it, and then you were on your, you just continued. Did you find your own source or did you used to do it with friends? Like at what point did you start doing it by yourself? Uh, let's see. I finished that. Uh, I stayed there for school. I finished that year. And one of the, my roommates hurt one of her friends, boyfriends dealt it in this little city, <clears throat> you know, uh, by which <clears throat> so she always had it, and I don't guess I ever bought it until uh, I got back into Dallas after school, after that semester, after that year ended. And I, yeah, I got to this spot where um, that was all I could think about. That was all I could do. I mean, it, it was, uh, it absolutely controlled everything, you know. And I share that with people all the time. They'll have the, they'll struggle with the higher power concept. And methamphetamines was my higher power. And it was like, so for me to switch it to a God of my understanding that wants good for me, it was, yeah. I just had to really like imagine an, a higher power that wants good. Yeah, I started using it every day. And uh, the only time I didn't, I wasn't using it was when I was asleep or when I was arrested. So was this during high school or after? This was after. This was after in my freshman college. Yeah, and so then I, that's I, I graduated eighty seven, and the first time I did meth was uh, the Thursday before Thanksgiving in nineteen eighty seven. I mean that Sunday. Did you enjoy it the first time you did it? Oh man, that was the greatest thing ever. I remember. I'll never forget. You know, it was like. The lights came on and everything was amazing. And that's, I remember saying, I'm never not doing this as long as I live. And I kept chasing that, you know, they say, you keep chasing that high. I guess that's what I did. You know, I'd have moments of being clean. Like I said, only when I got out of jail or out of treatment. My first arrest happened um, 1992, and um, I so got put five on, years after you graduated high school. Yep, yeah, the the five year plan. You know, everyone talks about what are you going to be doing five years, and none of mine, none of mine, uh, you know, had it become a felon. But I did. Yeah, I got a, a, a possession of a controlled substance charge in '92. I violated that probation in 95 i went to a women's prison for six months in 96 and yeah just kept going and i they i got out in 90s at the summer at, at the end like six months later in 96 
And then a year later, I got put on this shock probation because it's supposed to shock you and to never getting in trouble again. And uh, I got arrested one year to the day that I from the that I got out and um, you know, just kept doing it. Um, it was just waiting for me every time I got out. Did you find that these groups helped? What's that? Actually, how do I rephrase it? What kind of support did you get? When I would get out of uh, jail or, or yeah. uh, let's see. Like, were there any groups that helped you? Let's see. They would always kind of, they would always point you in a direction of meetings, uh, sponsorship. Um, I, I dipped my toe here and there in different meetings, but uh, I, I was one of those, the people who could find the ones that were the worst. And I'll be like, I'm not as bad as them. And, you know, when you're looking for the differences, you're going to find them. And that's what I did. So, and I would have another good idea and I'll try to figure it out. It's not that bad. It wasn't until 2007 that I was just, I really cried out to, to the God, to God. I just said, if you take this obsession from me, I'll do whatever you put in front of me. But it took me that long. It was, oh. It just sat on me. It just chased me down. At what point did you say to yourself, I'm I'm done with this? Well, that was in 2007. I, I uh, let's see, 2007, May, around my birthday, uh, everything just kept getting darker and darker for me. And I was, um, I was in that spot where, um, I, wasn't living. I had nowhere to live. I'm staying in some girl's house that has no electricity um, in the summer. And let's just say at the end of June, middle of June, my sister comes and finds me and tells me that my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and that they were giving him six months to live. And um, I remember I was in a stolen car. I told you I'm, I'm a horrible criminal. I'm starting with a screwdriver and I'm going to drive to see my dad in Arkansas. And so uh, I go to get some brake pads for the car and I go to this auto zone and there's probably 30 auto zones in Dallas, Texas. And uh, it turns out I go to the one whose brother's uncle's cousin's sister. It's that it's the car. I'm starting with a screwdriver and the guy's like, He's ringing me up and he runs around and someone else rings me up. And before I know it, 12 police cars surround me. And, uh, yeah, that was it for me. And it wasn't like I was like, oh, I'll do anything. I, I was still trying to figure it out, you know, and I was and, and I remember thinking I was like, why is it? What is the deal? Everyone needs to calm down. And so bottom line is that was my sixth felony. Um, I was looking at 25 years. And uh, when I was in the police car, it was on a Monday morning, July night. And I remember I was just like, God help me. And then later in the interrogation room, they would say, they were saying, is God your, um, is that a code word to someone? I was like, no, it's to God. And they thought that I was running this uh, stolen uh, car, like a car theft ring. <laughs> and it was nuts. It was crazy i mean it was just kind of like i got to the end and i i uh 
I wasn't, it wasn't like, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do anything. It wasn't until my dad passed away August 28th that year. I was still in jail and my family didn't come to get me, you know, um, kind of broke our heart and it saved my soul. And, uh, that's where I sat. And I, that's when I cried out on that day, Tuesday, August 28th. And I just begged God to take this obsession for me and I'll do anything you put in front of me. And I, it was the first time I ever said help, you know, cause all the other times I was like, God, oh, that cop them, if they would just, and, and I wouldn't, that was the first time I ever was like, this shit is killing me. So I don't know. Uh, I still wanted out of jail. You know, I had a, $5,000 bond. It was only $500 to get me out, but nobody came. It was the best, worst thing that ever happened to me. So I stayed in jail from July to November, and then I went to treatment. And did, I, just started, I started did, imagining myself. Did, did um, going to jail help you get sober, or were you using in jail? Say again? While you were in jail, were you still using? Nope. Was it available? Oh yeah, there was different types of pills I could take. Yeah, I uh, it wasn't like that day, August twenty eighth. It wasn't like oh Shazam, you're free of the of wanting to get high. I was just something started happening inside of me. Like I started imagining myself uh, having a job, uh, being free. Maybe I could have an apartment. I don't know. I I think that we start imagining what what we see ourselves doing. We are going to do it. And I'm just, I don't know, I started seeing myself free. And uh, yeah, I went to treatment. I'd already gone to this treatment center as a court order, you know, court ordered state funded treatment center. And it was my second time to go there. And yeah, I don't know, every, it was just like a new view, you know, like a uh, new pair of glasses. It was just like really seeing the world without a, a fog over them. And I don't know. I started believing I could do it. My aunt went to this church and uh, she uh, asked them if they'd start writing to her, her niece who had uh, been struggling with drug addiction. So all these ladies from my aunt's uh, church, they started writing letters to me, encouraging me and believing in me. And uh, I don't know. I started believing in me too. And I would look forward to these people's letters. I mean, I was just like, oh, and I don't know. People started cheering me on. They started praying me along and I don't, I started believing I could do it. So. Well, obviously it helped because you're smiling, just talking about it. Oh man, it was amazing. And they. Uh, Tell us more about this like group this, of people. They had like this covered dish luncheon for me at my aunt's church. And I had, it was my first apartment. So they had like a whole housewarming party for me. It was incredible. So you kind of start seeing yourself through the eyes of the people that believe in you. And that's what I did. People, some people would just start saying, why don't you just see yourself through my eyes? And one of my therapists said, how about you just believe that I believe until you can, you know, catch on. And I'd be like, okay. So I started doing that for other people too. I tell people that all the time. It's like, I'll just believe in you until you can catch up and then you can Start believing in you too. Sounds like a good program. Yeah. 
I mean, our brain believes everything we tell it. Might as well give it something good. Yeah, that's a good one. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I share that with people all the time. You know, we're actually the star of our own movie. And if you don't like the role you're playing, you can change the script where, you know, the part in the big book, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm, I'm, that it's really changed things for me as far as he was a director. We were his, you know, agents. And I know that I, I don't have to believe everything I think. I don't have to act on everything that comes up, but it's just like, uh, I would get really, really stuck in my thoughts, you know, early on when I got out of treatment, my brain would say, that's all you've ever been as a dope fiend. That's all you're ever going to be. And mm -hmm. man, it wasn't true. You know, the always, the nevers, every time you always screw it up and it's just, you really have to like kind of fight your brain because, you know, our brain loves us. Our brain loves to be high. It loves it. So just being solid, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> I was also the same way, self-deprecating. You're a loser. Go kill yourself. Nobody loves you, et cetera. I used to say yep. all of that stuff when I was fresh out of rehab. Because that was the stuff I said when I was using also. So that was part of the reason I was using. I remember when I got out of rehab, woke up one morning and got all upset. I think I was crying. I was like, nothing's changed except I'm not drinking. I still hate myself. And then I realized I had a change. And, you know, obviously we're not going to get into my story right now, but I went about doing it. Yep. Yeah. That is a trip. You know, I, I remember I used to say all the time, I hate, I hate you, Shelly. I hate my life. Is this all I'm here for? There would be these moments. There'd be like a small voice saying, no. This is not all you're here for. I, I got you. And then I probably about a year out of treatment. I remember this one day I was doing something and I was like, oh my God, I love my life. And I was like, I was like, almost like someone else's voice that I said, I love my life. So yeah, I love my life. I love who I am today. And um, I know I had to go through all that to get to right here to love Shelly. And there's people who don't face addiction issues who never find the way to loving themselves. Yep. I agree. There are, I mean, the world's full of them, sadly. Yeah, I think if everyone just loved themselves a little bit more, it would show and you'd be able to just spread love everywhere. Well, I'm doing everything I can to, uh, to, to be a person who spreads love. Yeah. And, I know that, you know, the fact that I get to be a therapist and uh, I've been there. You can't, you just can't come at me like with, I'm, I'm the worst. I'll never get it. I've done all this crap. And I'm like, you're singing, you're literally singing to the choir with me. And so that, that, that doesn't work. I mean, our, we'll find reasons to, to get clean or, or excuses to use. I'm just determined to find the reasons you know when my dad passed away I felt like he he like gave me life and uh he told my sister-in-law at the time that I mean on his deathbed Shelly's gonna be okay this time and she didn't tell me till a year after I got out of treatment that he knew that I was there probably would have been a lot of pressure she calls me you know and says hey your dad said I'm like ah but it really happened. 
So that's great. So again, towards the end here, now that you're sober, are there any tips and tricks or anything that you can share with the audience that might help them get and stay sober themselves? All right, let's see. It's real important that you don't believe everything you think and that you stay close to the people who are where you want to go. Like they say that we're, uh, no, we're our, our they is what matters. And so I had to really follow in the footsteps of the people that were doing well. Uh, tell yourself the truth when you look in the mirror. You know, it's not like every day is going to be a walk in the park. But when someone says, hey, how you doing? And if you're not doing well, say, I am jumping out of my skin today, as opposed to, oh, I'm doing great. Everything's great. Because I'll tell you, when people come back after a relapse, I'll ask them, uh, when people asked you how you were doing, what would you say? And they would say, fine. It's just like, shut up being fine. It's uh, allow yourself some time, ask for help, be honest, be honest with other people and especially with yourself. It's uh, we have to stop lying to ourselves, and um, you got to speak up. You know, people are dying because People are embarrassed and ashamed to come back. So I would say, come back, call your family. People love you. People miss you. That's the things I would say for sure. Uh, give yourself a chance and especially don't believe everything you think, man, our brain is just nuts. So if I had to always go to Shelly, I would be in a lot of trouble. I have to have people along my journey that love me and can tell me when, I, when I'm telling them I'm a little bit sketch, something's happening, I'm not doing well. You know, find you a home group, find people that uh, you can be vulnerable with that, that love you and want good for you. You know, people always wanted me around when I was bringing dope or I could go get something or I'm having another stolen car and it's just like, being around people who just want you around because they want good for you, find them, stay close to them. Thank you for the um, opportunity to interview you. Thank you. I, I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I mean, like I said, uh, we got to shout about it. I want people to know uh, we're not the things we've done. That's what I did. This is who I am. So thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate this opportunity. No problem. It was an absolute pleasure. So sit tight for me. And for everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You could check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr, pretty much all social media platforms. Oh, we're also newly on Discord, so you can find us there and start the conversation. I also suggest checking out our website, which is addicts-anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of free resources and literature. That's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed, and until next time.